good morning, good afternoon. Uh, happy Independence Day. Yes, we're we're recording on Canadian Independence Day, and we we're probably going to be releasing on American Independence Day. Right. This is a uh, North now, American unity, like uh, merging of the of the syrups and the sauces. And and we're sorry about how sometimes very regional we get, but you know, it's Andy and I are both U.S. airs, so this is all we know <laughs> is just this this plot of land right here. Andy, do you have any fun plans for this week? Oh, wait, we yeah. forgot to introduce the podcast. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Uh, this is material. Uh, this is the podcast you're listening to. And this is episode number 210. And I'm your host, Florence Ion. And I am your host, Andy Anatko. Yes, I uh, I had a, well, I, uh, I went down to, I spent the weekend in Provincetown, which uh, if you, which you're not New England savvy, there's Cape Cod. Which is mm-hmm. essentially New England's play uh, playland for because mm-hmm. nothing but beach. It's the it's the ar- it's the arm that sort of jets out from uh, from the southern Massachusetts into the Atlantic Ocean. And mm-hmm. so, uh, if you can imagine that in your mind, Provincetown. I'm envisioning it. it. I'm envisioning it. Oh, it's yes, the yes, little exactly. hook, right? Exactly. Yeah. No, see, this is this is where oh. <laughs> this is part of the lexicon where, uh, just like uh, like in Michigan, people will, like hold up their hand like a mitten to show you like where they live in Michigan. Like on on the Cape, when you're going, whether you're renting a cottage or you live there or you're just going to the beach, they'll show you. They'll point. They'll, they'll make a. They'll make like a muscle man sort of arm and point to like the elbow or the wrist or ah. something. You know, like Hyannis is like kind of near the bicep. Uh, South Dennis was on Warm Beach. I used to go to a little bit up there, uh, closer to the elbow. Provincetown is right at the fist. It's like you could not be farther away from the mainland as you possibly could. As a result, historically, it's been a place for like artist communities, mm. uh, people. It's very. It's always been a very, very artistic sort of classic San Francisco sort of vibe. Where Oh-ho. exactly, and uh, it's it's also. Uh, the the uh, it's known for being a very it's been known for being a gay friendly place for like decades, uh, and so I ex now I, I this this occurred to me that I was happened to be visiting on the last weekend uh, of Pride Month, mm-hmm. and uh, and so this is one time where I thought maybe I'm going to for this weekend I'm going to make sure that I log into Facebook because. Anything I can do to, like, make Facebook's algorithms wonder if they put me in the right container. Like, as I as it happens, I am not gay. But a ver- okay. uh, but a there are many algorithms that would algorithms that would say, oh, Andy is in a a place where a lot of people who are we have identified as gay go during a during a weekend during a month at which people uh, celebrate uh, the openness of their uh, of, uh, of of their personalities and so perhaps we should put him into the maybe pile now we found it, and I know he hasn't posted anything about girlfriends or relationship status anywhere but you know we're gonna roll the dice here and just say any because anytime there's like a did did you go to did you go to Southern Illinois University? And every time they get that's that's way off, I figure that's a, I, I I celebrate that because I figured I won against Facebook's algorithms. the The latest victory was it asked me, uh, it showed me like the Facebook page for Honeywell, 
and asked to you, is this your business? Would you like to claim it? And I say, this is not my business, and I would absolutely like to claim it. You should claim it. Should <laughs> I, claim I, it. I, am willing, I am willing to take on the responsibility of the tech support and customer support of everybody who has an old, uh, an old f- uh, f- uh, smoke detector uh, in their rental properties. That would oh, be very... they make security systems now, too. Uh, and there you like, go. You would know. Cameras and everything. Um, <laughs> Honeywell has expanded. Yes. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm going to do the double the double whammy of doing something on July 4th. As, as it happens, the town fireworks are on July 3rd, and uh, it's well because because we know we can't compete with like Boston or Providence or like any of the big cities that do it on the right day. So we figure if we're if we're going to get any business at the food trucks at all, we mm. should do it on July 3rd. Uh, so and the, unfortunately, I'm doing uh, uh, NPR in Boston, uh, my my usual thing, on that Wednesday, and I can either rush home to be in home in time to get a good seat, or I could just enjoy sort of a long after long lazy afternoon in Boston. So I might, I think I'm going to decide to just enjoy that long lazy afternoon, and then I don't know. We'll we'll see if Wendy's is open on uh, on on Thursday for the cookout sort of burgers and stuff. And because you want a frosty, because what better way to ring in the day of independence than <laughs> dipping fries into a frosty? And I know that sounds weird to some people, but those are childhood memories I'm bringing that, onto the that air sounds, right now. That sounds amazing to me, and I might have to make a note of that. Uh, yep. Uh, that was a thing we often did in high school, because that's all you can do in high school is buy <laughs> fast food. <laughs> you have free, you have, you have, free, you're, ex, when you're a teenager, you're exploring, exploring the boundaries of your freedom mm-hmm. by taking lots of risks, some of which are dangerous, but some of, some of which lead to you either in my case thinking, well, why don't we put ice cubes in milk? Wouldn't that just make it like really, really super cold, which is how I enjoy it? And is this just a simple custom that I'm blindingly that that the man keeps telling me to do that I'm falling in lockstep with, or and but it never occurred to me to dip French fries in a guar gum based synthetic frozen custom frozen dairy like product. It has yeah. to be the Wendy's frosty, mm-hmm. uh, and also Jack in the Box tacos with the buttermilk ranch sauce. Mm. And that's what I ate in high school. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> And somehow you um, survived. I know somehow it, it, it was okay. Here. Parents, it worked out okay. So far, uh, <laughs> so far, so good. I am not. I'm. I mean, I guess I'm doing something patriotic. I'm floating down the Columbia River. What? What else can be more patriotic than that? Um, it's Much like be Lewis and Clark. I. I think that would be true, right? They did float down that river there go. all the way to the Panama Canal. They right. They, they, they were also drinking like ale like beverages every day, all day long. Now, granted, See, they, had no, they, they had no access you. to. Yeah, you're, you're, you're just doing it in honor of, of, of history as opposed to as a uh, as a health thing. But uh, it's just, you know, Fourth of July for me is just it's just a summer. It's just the summer holiday. So yeah. and I saw I saw the Canadians also partaking in the same way that we would. I saw a lot of Canadians this weekend enjoying like lake time and, you know, having cookouts and things. So this is just our time. And, um, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to taking a couple days off and then and then having to go to my best friend's wedding. So it's going to be a week. Um so because it's Independence Day, it also means that all of our favorite brands are slashing prices here and there. Cut, cut, cut <laughs> to prepare for the onslaught of what's coming in the fall, right? Because that's 
That's typically when all the new stuff starts coming in. Um, for those who haven't purchased a Google Home Max, it's down to 250 bucks at B&H and Best Buy for the July 4th holiday, uh, plus a bunch of other uh, home and nest gear. I guess if you want to buy things before Google had Nest, you could say <laughs> that. You could buy something and have it be like a piece of vintage wear. Yes. Oh, the Google Home thought I was talking to it. Oops. Yeah, I'm so I'm I'm really kind of cl- uh, every time that there's a sale. This 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 is one of the best deals on the Google Home Max. Wait, and- wait. There's one other really good deal. I'm sorry, <laughs> Andy. <laughs> go. go. It's just this, there's a Google Home Mini starter kit with the one GEC bulb for $31. That's actually a pretty darn good deal if anybody out there just wants like one automatic light. You know, spending money on a Google Home Mini, that's just so 2018. Don't you agree? Um, yeah, but... <laughs> I, feel, I feel as, I mean, they're, they're, they're kind of like, it's, it's kind of like spending money to go look at a squirrel. It's like all you got to do is sort of stand outside. Eventually, a free Google Home Mini will drop in your lap. That's that's, that's at least true. my my opinion. That's very true. Mm. Nest Hub for seventy nine dollars. That's also pretty good. Yeah, that's I mean, pretty 80 good. Eighty bucks. Yeah, that's it's it's amazing how much they've been cutting these prices. I'm like I, I'm in. Uh, I these things get my attention because I'm still really close to saying. But why do why don't we buy a second Google Home Max and there that way in the bedroom we can pair them as a stereo I was pair. Just thinking that. And it's like and I could talk myself out of it at the original. What was it? Three hundred ninety nine dollars. Four hundred bucks, basically. Yeah. yeah. That was like oh please, let's wait to now at two hundred fifty two hundred fifty dollars is still for a freelancer. A good chunk of money, but it is. But it's really, justifiable. It's office equipment. It's <laughs> exactly. You know. It's completely justifiable at that price range, <laughs> yep. which is why I bought myself a smartwatch, and which is why I like <laughs> will I will go and I'll buy all the best SD cards because I'm saying this is an investment. Yes, the SD and and USB. I don't need tiny little flash drives, but you know what? <laughs> it's well, there. It's for my office. But so, but it's it's also like when I you hope see the a government good deal doesn't on, listen to this podcast. <laughs> when you see a good deal on like paper towels, and it's like I really don't need twelve rolls of paper towels, but at at this price, it's a really good price, and it's not as though I'm ever going to stop stop using paper towels. So that's I mean, yeah. Whenever there's a fl- for all the uh, coffee you spill on your computer <laughs> equipment. Um, but you did, you did remind me of something that did happen over the weekend that's been happening yes. a lot. Like when uh, your Guillermo home device woke up uh, when you mentioned a certain name. Now I, I did install the accessibility feature uh, that I keep I keep forgetting what the what Google actually uh, actually has called it. But the access the the uh, automatic trans uh, transcription voice to text. Uh, that is, if you install this, uh, now there will be like an accessibility button to the right of uh, the home button. And as soon as, and when you tap it, it will just uh, automatically uh, uh, do live transcription. I think that's what it's called, live trans, live transcribe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a great feature. And it will even do things like uh, if you activate it in a car, it will say, or if you're near traffic, it will actually like caption in parentheses car noise or birds chirping. Now, but the problem is that the, like I said, the button to activate it is right immediately to the right of the home button. 
And the number of times where I've like checked something on my phone and then just put it down and then looked down and two minutes later to see a transcript of everything that's happened at during like dinner table conversation. And it's it really it's a really uh, uh, important test of my I don't know whether you'd call it um, adulthood or whether you'd call it my trustworthiness, because my first impulse is, oh, my God, I should make sure I, I remove that feature so this stops happening. On the other hand, I want <laughs> I want to say, but what if there's something that happens and that no one will believe that someone just said the thing that they just said to you, and you can just show them your phone or show them the screenshot of your phone? Uh, and... I don't know what I want to do. And I'm kind of embarrassed that I don't know what I want to do. So uh, I don't think I don't think that you should take on take this on yourself. Um, <laughs> because I think that eventually Android Q is going to solve that problem when it rids of that home button. Hmm. Because we're just gonna have, right? We're just gonna have that little the little pill that's gonna show up. True. It's gonna be that new little gesture mechanism. So really, Andy, and you know, it's it's a UI thing. <laughs> It's not you at all. Exactly. It's just I can, the system. I can, I can say this was not a like forgetfulness or a moral failing mm-hmm. on my part mm-hmm. that I not at all that I'm allowing this device to eavesdrop and sort of <laughs> sort of give me ammunition. See, and now there's there's little tags. I, I and did, by I, the way, that's the new that's the new way that reality TV stars are adding drama is that they are recording their interactions with their phone because apparently this is how you can get like legal evidence. <laughs> Oh, trash TV is so trash. I love it. The things that I learn. (laughs) Yeah, but it's it's it it does remind me of how good a tool this is because of course I was laughing. I I, I've got my headphones on, so it can't. It's not to transcribe what you were saying, but when you laugh, it actually puts a little like like little uh, annotation (laughs) laughing. (laughs) Okay, that's good. So I should Uh, just. How does it know I'm not yodeling? I don't know how to yodel, so I'm sorry you're not getting that out of me. And that transcribed as, no, Dean, you don't even know how you got here. Yo, yo. And that prescribed as no, Dean. So perhaps it doesn't have a yodeling detector, which is... Not yet. I should I should probably file a radar if uh, I was about to say, you should go file a little ticket with Google right now and just say, dear devs, your... Thing does not know that I am yodeling. Now, when my Swiss grandparents come in and try to communicate in the time-honored tradition of our culture, it's as though Google wants to be a barrier, a technological voluntary barrier between the generations. And what is it that you have got against the Swiss, except for maybe their complicity in hiding German assets during World War II? Okay, given that, but... Yes, the Swiss government. I'm going to continue to give you crap for that. <laughs> I don't think I don't think it defines you, but don't ask us to forget that. That's I'm all sitting I'm here, by the way, nodding in agreement with that. Exactly. Um, Andy, should we? You want to take a little break before we hop into the menial bit of news that we have this week, mm. with it being a holiday in the U.S. of A. Exactly. Well, we uh, I've already Godwin this episode at uh, 17 minutes 12 seconds, so we, we yeah we're making good progress. Let's keep going. Okay. Okay. This episode of Material is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. 
Maybe you want to create an online store. Maybe you want to create a portfolio. Maybe you want to create a blog. Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Squarespace has got it covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. And all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. I have used a self-hosted uh, WordPress. This is person, personal stuff here. I've used a, uh, a self-hosted WordPress uh, site, uh, and that, that got really old really fast. It was, a, it was a fine adventure. I felt as though I learned a lot about server-side scripting. And then at some point, I decided that I just want to be able to post stuff, and I don't want to have to do any work whatsoever other than creating stuff for my site. And as soon as I uh, switched to uh, switched to a different host, where I, so I did not have to support my own site, I got a lot more work done. So uh, b- believe me, you, you don't have to be a hero and run an entire site yourself. Just if you're if, unless that's unless that's your bag, man. Go ahead. But otherwise, if you're really just into creating content, I think something like Squarespace is a much, much, much better idea. Well, Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com material. When you decide to sign up, use the offer code material to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and to show your support for material. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash material and the code material to get 10% off your first purchase. We thank Squarespace for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. Okay, so this is the feature that we've been literally waiting for since AirDrop was introduced, which is sad. (laughs) Uh, Which is to say that when Apple introduced AirDrop, they did a thing that was very great. And then all these memes and like society adopted AirDrop immediately. But us Android users were unable to partake in whatever this new societal way of connecting was because we didn't really have it. Google tried to give it to us. Imagine being on like a, 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 a commuter train or a bus or something mm-hmm. and realize that there's no chance that someone at random could just randomly push pictures onto your phone because imagine out of, because out of convenience you you set airdrop to yes receive anything from anybody and you forgot to turn it back off again i know but the things that people get apparently <laughs> i mean i don't know i think it could probably be used for some really i'm sure it has it has been used for for it nefarious things. However, um, as an Android user, it is a pain in the butt to share files between devices. I being a multi-device user, I always wanted something where I could just like, you know, just shake it and it sends the file over something as easy as AirDrop. You just drag and drop it. I just took a picture. Um, I want my friend to have the picture. Exactly. I don't want to have to upload it to Google Photos and then text them a link to Google Photos so that when we've got... No, no. Phones are within kissing distance of each other. And it was just so cool when you can just put them together via NFC and they would automatically transfer. And then what happened to that? Yes. Okay. So the good news, uh, Google users, is that Google is developing a new fast share 
quote unquote feature for direct device to device transfers. So just like AirDrop, um, 9to5 Google actually said that they managed to fully enable it and they posted a complete gallery of how it works. Mm. So it, it was it was a little weird because they didn't say that, oh, we found this in a dev channel or right. we, we, we were playing around with settings and this thing suddenly appeared. So it sounds as though somebody, either somebody who uh, was not allowed to share this with them, shared it with them, or mm-hmm. somebody at Google gave, <laughs> with permission of Google PR, said, we want people to know about this even though we can't commit to a timetable. So who do we trust at 9to5 Google? Well, so the UI shots for this fast share look very similar to that file, that files to go app. I guess it's just Google files now, which by the way, I can never get that app to work. Unfortunately, (laughs) between my devices, I don't know why it was very frustrating. Um, So this is going to be accessible via the standard sharing sheet. That's the new one that's coming in Android Q, which is supposed to be apparently a lot more on the mark um, than it has been in years past. And it works with nearby devices and no it, internet or network connection is necessary. So if you're like in a giant pit of people at a concert, I suppose that's how you would share the PDF of the map. This is just Or anywhere scenario. in Vermont where internet mm, service that's a, via, that's a good point. via mobile wireless is very maple syrup in December. Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful trees, beautiful leaves. Lovely you can, trees. Yes, lovely trees. You can share photos, files, URLs, text snippets. Um, it's apparently this is going to be a replacement for Android Beam, which was recently deprecated. And the icon does it look familiar to you? It's this little diamond, and then on the inside is another like solid diamond, and it looks, it looks like. It looks like a evolution of the nearby yeah. symbol. Absolutely. I don't, it's, I don't know. I, I just thought it was interesting, um, <laughs> but icon that they chose. So apparently this is also going to be multi-platform. Uh, the examples in 9 to 5 screenshots included Chromebooks, Android Wear devices, <laughs> Android Wear devices, and iPhones, which is, that'll be interesting. So you can also give certain people preferred visibility status so you can zap a file to them without even worrying about like the handshaking or the whole like, would you like to send this file to so-and-so? Um, 9to5 says that this feature is delivered via Google Play. So Google will be able to push it to you whenever they want uh, to any phone conceivably, but they have no information on when it might be released. Again, we have an Android Q coming out sooner or later. So I imagine this might be a part of the, of the spiel maybe. Hmm. Yeah. But Google, uh, they mentioned Google play and that's, that's good news because it would mean that you don't, it would imply that you don't necessarily need Android Q. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just forgot about that. Yeah. It would be, uh, it, it, it would be nice enough if it were, well, if you have to own a Google pixel phone and a Google pixel Pixel book in order for this to work, but obviously this is something that all Android phones need. It would be great if it were ecumenical. They think that nine to five thinks that it works just over just Bluetooth and Wi-Fi, so you wouldn't even necessarily need NFC hardware or anything else. But it is. Mm. I wish they could say more about where they got this from and what the circumstances were. Because they have with, their ways. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just you don't know whether this is something that they're playing with and they uh, that excuse me that Google has had, had this weird idea and wonder how this would work or and they're doing just a limited test on that's limited just to the Google campus and there's a really good reason why they haven't even demonstrated this somewhere 
or if they got a legitimate scoop. Uh, that, uh, well, actually, no, that, 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 a legitimate scoop about something that's going to go wide for everybody. I just, again, I think the number of times I've been alone in my office and said to my MacBook or my Chromebook and my Android phone, but you're right here. I'm I even know. willing to put a cable between you two if it'll help. But even. But it won't. It, it won't yeah. do anything. Yeah. Well, yeah. And you're supposed to be able to like mount it as a, as a, uh, as a. Uh, the, the the Android the app you need on the MacBook in order to enable accessing the files on right. my Android phone almost never works. It works just enough times for me to be suckered into giving it another try, even though I'm always it always ends in disappointment. But yeah, just the ability. I don't even want to mount. It's a, I can tell you which file it is. I just want this picture off the phone and onto the. Can you do that for me? I, what if I hook up like a three and a half inch floppy drive? Will that help? The best part is when you realize that all your USB-C adapters uh, aren't interchangeable between laptops. Yeah. <laughs> the Mac one has to be used with the Mac one. Uh, the PC one has to be used with the PC one. And the Chromebook one has to be used with the Chromebook one. Like, why? <laughs> Uh, okay. So that's exciting. Uh, that's exciting. And other pieces of news. Google, I thought we were over this, but apparently we're not. <laughs> Uh, also, I think you say my nails are kind of fuchsia-y. Yeah, maybe they're 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 very pink. They're very Morticia Adamsy. They look more Thank like a, more like a blood red. <laughs> no, the they're camera. not. They're yeah. Okay. I know. I know. It's not enough darn light, it, not enough Logitech. <laughs> no, no, no. They're actually very pink. Um, in person. So, what is Flo talking about? Google has created a new developer site for fuchsia. That's what I was referring to. My fuchsia nails. Um, so fuchsia.dev. It contains groundwork information on the basics of building and installing Fuchsia and its tools, plus explanations of its core concepts without much information on what it really is, what it does, or what it looks like. And if we remember back to Google I.O., so I'm going to go over now to Fuchsia.dev on my loud, loud keyboard. If you remember back at Google <laughs> I.O., um, Hiroshi had talked about this, first with The Verge, then with me, about Fuchsia being just kind of like this side project that Google was working on just this idea. So I am assuming that this is the, here you go, devs, have at it, play, play with it. What do you think about it? Um, and that's kind of cool. I'm into it. Yeah. It's, I feel like they're kind of tossing us around a little bit because they, uh, they made it official at Google IO, but it wasn't the sort of bells and whistles. Hey, welcome mm -hmm. to Fuchsia. It's going to be the future. Don't be left behind. Come support us. It was, oh, yeah, well, yeah, we've got a... I mean, if you're interested in it, I guess you can go up to the, exactly. we got it on GitHub. I mean, really, we've used it for, there was some kind of a driver thing that we needed to do. So we built it in Fuchsia because really it's not, really that's what it's good for. Exactly. Just these sort of basic, like this, it seemed like maybe, <laughs> it seemed like either it was a diversion or maybe like everybody who gets excited about such things like me was getting way too excited about something that that was truly just something that they were playing with all along. Uh, but the, so it's both a interesting that they say, Oh, now here's an official developer site for, for Fuchsia. But you go there and you would expect, Oh, well, so here's some code examples and here's some, here's a, a white paper on the UI. And here it's, it really is mostly about here's how to use the GitHub files primarily. 
It's here's how to build Fuchsia. Here's how to install the, the dev tools you need. It is literally just a dev page. It is just your standard material dev page. Yeah, it's... <laughs> it's it, not even it, Fuchsia. Yeah. <laughs> either way. It's it like gives, white and green and gray. Yeah, I mean, there's... Honestly, if you, if you read, uh, like, the coverage about this new site on, like, Forbes and 9to5 and Android Police... Uh, and uh, anything else that's linked to on Tech Meme, you will probably learn more about Fuchsia from those articles about the dev site than you will here. Uh, there's all the uh, I'm I'm, um, I'm I'm seeing I'm scanning one of these pictures here. It's like a, the the person who wrote coverage on Forbes is Google's Fuchsia.dev site is pretty bare bones currently, but contains the basics, including a glossary, getting started guide, and instruction for building. There's even system documentation on how Fuchsia works and appears to be much more modular in nature, breaking off what might otherwise be considered core components to discrete functionality. The Zircon kernel uh, concept page notes, quote, the kernel manages a number of different types of objects. Those which are accessible directly during during via system calls are C++ class which implement the dispatcher interface. These are implemented in kernel slash object. Many are self-contained higher level objects. Some though wrap lower level LK primitives. And no, I don't understand. I understood about every fourth word of that. So, we're t- so <laughs> on the, on and those the one who did hand- understand, feel free to write in. Exactly. No, again, this is, uh, so it's, uh, it's, Exciting for me that Apple uh, that Google decided to actually put Fuchsia on the map <laughs> physically. Like if you're mapping out the world as Google knows it to be, with, with putting their stamp on projects, they've decided to map out that little island that people have heard people have traveled to and come back from, but did not have any coherent description of. But again, it doesn't give us. If if you're excited about what a truly next generation operating system would be, an operating system that has that part of its declaration of independence is to get rid of all the baggage of uh, like the original Unix kernel, have no origins in Linux and start pretty much all over again from scratch. That's super exciting. But now give us some examples of why this is such a cool idea. So, okay, it's it's something that's being worked on. It may be not as exciting today as it will be, I don't know, 14 years from now, but it's something. We've and been talking about this for a while. We've been, there's yeah. been rumbles about it for a while, but this is cool. I mean, at least they're like, hey, here you go. Have fun. This is your summer <laughs> yeah. project for some people out there. It's your summer yeah, coding I mean, project. Yeah, well, one other c- cool thing that I don't think we've mentioned before because I didn't know it <laughs> until a few days ago that there's actually a uh, live web demo of what one like graphical implementation of Fuchsia will look like. We'll link to it uh, on the uh, in the show notes. But if you go to the GitHub page for Fuchsia, there is a web demo that will uh, within a web a full screen web browser show you a little bit of what the experience will be like. Uh, including a mouse pointer that is a pink teardrop. <laughs> I, I don't know if that is emotionally uh, part of the, the message they're trying to send, but but yeah, but it, it it does feel like an interesting uh, combination of it. It doesn't look like it would be it would be very very weird if this was presented as oh by the way we're doing a total revamp of Chrome OS and this is what your Chromebook is going to look like at startup uh, at the end of the year because it looks like a very nicely tailored simplified uh, 
get stuff done without being stupid and ugly uh, sort of interface. So it's the, you can't really do anything with it, but at least you can say, yes, I tried something with Fuchsia and I found it fabulous and I thought it was a very, very empowering thing for me to have, to have played with. Yes, and we will drop that link in the show notes. Um, I'm also like looking for it, but I will find it. I will find it. Shall we take another break? Yeah, I think that... Again, yeah. no, no, uh, we hope that you listeners are just, just enjoying the usual weekly visit here from <laughs> from your friends, Flo and Andy. We're, en- we're enjoying doing this the, this episode. It's just that there is a uh, – the oftentimes like the last week before, let's say, the winter holiday is exciting because a lot of people are very, very interested in clearing out their desks and getting news items posted. Right now it's like, you know, there's going to be a holiday on Thursday – which means that maybe we'll get people to still come in on Wednesday, but not real. You well, can't half the get staff pe- is out probably yeah. on vacation with their exactly. families, and they, they ain't coming back on Friday either. They're going to take the four day weekend, and there's yeah. and there's no motivation in the middle of the summer to for people to say, "Why don't we announce this now instead of later?" So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it's a good. So, so we're so going to take a break. We're going to take a break <laughs> before we take our weekend break. This episode is brought to you by Linode. With Linode, you can instantly deploy and manage an SSD server in the Linode cloud. And you can get a server running in just seconds with your choice of Linux distro, resources, and node location. It doesn't matter if you're working on your first server or deploying a complex system, Linode are the folks to go to. They offer the fastest hardware and network with outstanding customer support if you ever need help. It's super easy to launch a Linode cloud server. And their block storage is available in Newark, Fremont, Dallas, Atlanta, Frankfurt, London, and Singapore. And soon to be released in Tokyo. Version 4 of Linode's RESTful API is out of beta and includes an officially supported Python CLI. And right now, Linode are hiring! If you want to learn more and check out what they're looking for, just go to linode.com slash careers. Linode has pricing options to suit everyone. Their plans start at one gigabyte of RAM for just $5 a month, and they offer high memory plans starting with 16 gigabytes of RAM. And Linode have a special offer for you. As a listener of this show, you can go to linode.com slash material and use promo code material2019 to get $20 towards any Linode plan. On the one gigabyte of RAM plan, that is four free months. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, you have nothing to lose. Give Linode a try today. That's linode.com slash material and promo code material2019 to learn more, sign up, and make the most of that $20 credit. Our thanks to Linode for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Actually, this is good because now when you come into the Independence Day holiday or after it, you can just listen to me and Andy and we can help you feel like everything is normal. Even yes. though we're doing a very sh- uh, much shorter show this week than usual. Well, maybe. <laughs> we'll see <laughs> at the end of this. Um, here's what else we've got coming down the pipeline, Andy. Google is testing a new document approvals pipeline in Google Suite, I guess, to kind of help folks be a little more collaborative uh, in the Google office environment, so to speak, right? Because, I mean... 
who's using Microsoft anymore? Uh, so this is a, <laughs> that was a joke, by the way. Sorry. It was a terrible joke. Uh, so this is a beta feature. Authors can request approval of a document with a deadline for approval and people with access can see who's approved it. I kind of like this idea for, <laughs> maybe this isn't a good thing to say out loud, but I kind of like this idea for sending, you know, when you send in a document to an editor and you're like, Hey, you have 48 hours to review this before I, you know, I got to move on to other things. Kind of, I'm just saying, um, you know, it could be used for that. So uh, this uh, kind of adds to the idea of shared workflows. Um, previously, G Suite users would do this via an email, which was really like sending a request. Even some some weeks, uh, Andy will just like sometimes my requests, I'm not put on the dock for whatever reason. And then I have to like request it from you and I have to wait for the email. And it's just, it's, it's just really finicky. So you won't have to worry about, um, any of the approvals being attached to the document history either. So you're not, it's not going to like show up on there like a red flag. Yeah. It's, this is the most frustrating thing about any sort of collaborative working. It's, I I don't think it's even swapping files from one place to another. I think the most frustrating thing is when somebody has to sign off on something before anything can go forward and it gets into this feedback loop of, well, I did send you an email on Monday. Well, I never got that email. Well, check your spam fill. Oh, okay. I don't know why why it's spam filter right now. So do I have your document approval? Well, no, I haven't even read it yet because I just got the thing like, okay, but you said you're going to read it. But remember, if we don't get it by Friday, we're going to lose this window. So that's why I sent it to you last week. Whereas it's, (laughs) whereas this system is, I can just without, as soon as I finish a certain part of, of a project, I can just Click a button and say, "Okay, Joel, uh, you need to make sure that as the as the head of the art department that this conforms to what you need to, in order to move forward. Because if this, uh, we don't want Andy to be stuck in the last two weeks before a book deadline, having to really change a lot of things because you forgot to say that your department needs this thing. And then for the rest of the world who is working on that uh, same project to look at this document and say." Well, Joel did approve this six weeks ago, so if he has a problem with it now, he is really going to have to deal with that himself because clearly he Andy bounced this idea off of Joel first, so he got complete sign-off on this. And keep in mind, this is when I'm just working on a book. I can't imagine where where everything where everything that's involved in writing a book is almost entirely focused on getting this book done. I can't imagine what this kind of process is like in a corporation where 70% of all of the energy that's expended inside the walls of any corporation is di- is designed to keep the bureaucracy integrity as it is, uh, to make sure that if something it slows down a project to make sure that Joel has been acknowledged as the head of a certain department who has the power to stop a project dead in its tracks, or if Steve uh, needs to get his butt covered because he feels as though if there is a failure at any point in this project, he does not want it to be traced back to him. Yeah, I and anybody who has worked in companies now are nodding, 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 and I hope that's not interfering with your driving uh, because just tell the cop that you were listening to, I don't know, metal, 
and you're just shaking your you're, you're just flailing your head in sympathy to the music because and so it's it, it's also an important step Google Docs really has become part of the basic literacy that every one who works at an, in an office has forget to be knowing able to. Microsoft Word and Excel. Now yeah. I need to know Google Docs. Yeah, and the other online cloud stuff. Yeah. So it, it's this is this is no longer the oh isn't it adorable Google has written a word processor that's compatible with Microsoft Word that works and oh isn't that adorable <laughs> oh it's like you know I have a cousin who's an engineer and he built a he says he built a car from scratch but I mean but isn't it adorable that he thinks that he can build a real car and now it's like no every other <laughs> Microsoft and every other company that is doing office software needs to try to keep up with Google. And they're they're making it easier for them for people to never ever ever have to leave the Google envir- the Google uh, suite environment to get things done. Uh, we haven't even talked about like education, how much this is going to help people to say now. <laughs> teachers, <laughs> now, yeah. teachers can put like absolute due dates on high school, you know, assignments and things of the sort. Maybe. Or, or just, or again, just the ability to say, "No, I have to, I have to see your outline before you proceed to write your report." Like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm so, I'm, I'm, I'm still hurting from that. I was part of the, uh, I'm Generation X. We were the first generation. <clears throat> without, without, I don't think we can pinpoint something like this, but I'm, I'm sure that I was the first generation to have grown up with word processors to be taught by a generation of teachers who did not grow up with word processors and grew grew up with like whiteout and carbon mm. uh, typing carbon and so for for me in like uh, whatever 6th 7th 8th grade to have to like tentatively <laughs> approach a teacher after class and say now you realize that because of the nature of word processing i'm correcting mistakes as i make them and I'm like swapping paragraphs around. It's I don't have to retype the thing all over again. So here, I, I actually had to had to talk this out with my teacher once, saying, "Now, if you're insisting that like I give you, I hand in a first draft, what I'm going to have to do is, as usual, write the entire thing from start to finish, which will, will which will be a final draft, and then after I print that out, I will have to create another copy of it." make mistakes in it <laughs> and delete some stuff and then print that out to give you something that you can point out mistakes that I can then pretend I will correct and prevent you with a, a final draft. So if you're willing to sign off, sign on with that charade, I'll do that because I'm, I, I'm no, I'm, I'm only in seventh grade. I'm no, I'm not yet the 11th grader who will tell you to go stick it. I will do that. I will play along and to get the, to get the B or the A that I so dearly covet, but let's just make sure that the charade is right there out front and center for us all to be ashamed of collectively. Andy, that's so Gen X of you. <laughs> well, we are slackers, <laughs> of course. <laughs> what I know of Gen X. Um, you know, who's not a slacker. So, you know that robots.txt file? Love so, it. well, okay, not so the whole it exists so that webmasters you put this on your server and that tells the web spiders, yes, which exist, uh which part of the site that they're permitted to crawl and which parts of the site are forbidden from touching their web. Um it made its first appearance in 1994. 
And if you've been on the internet that long, you've probably seen it come up in a bunch of uh, Google search results. Sometimes it's you'll just see like the headline of the website and then below it'll say like robots.txt, which just means that that's file. The file's there. It's, or or Google uh, Google search was prevented from indexing this exactly. site because of the, its robots doc text, text file. It, it allows a webmaster to say, if you're trying to index my site, you're allowed to index this part, but not the company registry. I'm trying to remember if I ever put that on my websites. I'm sure I copy and pasted it from somebody else's code. <laughs> that's how you learn how to code, okay? There you go. Uh, that's how I learn how to code. So um, Google's helping out with this, which um, it's kind of a this is a this is a way that Google really contributes to the larger tech world, the tech ecosystem in the world, at least of open source. So it is, um, it's formalizing the robots.txt into an open web standard. Like finally, after how many years has it been? Uh, from the Google blog, we wanted to help website owners and developers create amazing experiences on the internet instead of worrying about how to control crawlers. Together with the original author of the protocol, webmasters, and other search engines, we've documented how the REP, that's the Robots Exclusion Protocol, is used on the modern web and submitted it to the IETF, which is the Internet Engineering Task Force. Ba-ba-da-da. Also a Saturday morning cartoon of the future. So, <laughs> um, it's This is going to help just formalize that robots exclusion protocol, that robots.txt to handle all of the web's edge cases. And, you know, without a spec, devs have been coming up with their own solutions to these problems, which creates chaos. And so this is kind of, it's funny how we talk about how fragmented like Google's parts are, but a lot of the initiatives that are sometimes push, pushed forth by Google or like really invested in are to help like unify parts of the internet that sort of become the wild west. Cause there still is a lot of that on the internet for those who don't remember the internet of the early nineties <laughs> as I do. Move fast and break things. Woo. Yeah. Look at what that got us. Um, there's also going to be some improvements thanks to Googs. So stuff that discourages crazy nuts, huge robots.txt files that slow down the web and waste bandwidth. Definitely that has become a problem over the years. Uh, robot.txt will no longer be limited to web or HTTP requests and will be able to be used for FTP and other ways of accessing data, which is going to be great because it's basically evolving to deal with how the web is crawled now. And for those who don't really understand what all this crawling means, the insect metaphor is there for a reason. Excuse me, the arachnid metaphor is there for a reason. Uh, and it's because that's kind of, they're these little robots that exist in the internet and they just go like scrounging around to see like what corners they can build their webs in. <laughs> Sometimes those robots are actually are set out by people. Um, and so this is, I I think generally, from what I know, generally of the internet, this is going to be a nice, a nice change of pace <laughs> yes. for the internet. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. it's kind of an, it's an example of why I don't I don't have uh, blind faith in Google to be doing things that are uh, to not do things that are uh, so selfishly in Google's interest that it harms people who are not doing things for Google. But this is this sort of thing is why I give them a certain, I have a certain amount of faith in them, faith that I will back up by <laughs> testing everything that they claim to say and all that sort of stuff. 
because uh, ro- when you think about it, the, they came up with robots.txt for the f- in again 1994. I was say differences of generations. I pronounced it txt. Yeah. <laughs> text. Anyway, go ahead. You kids and your 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 your, your high ASCII files and your upper and lower case and your curly quotes. Yeah, but ask Gen Z and they would be like, "What are you talking about?" Anyway, continue. Yeah, but when you when you think about it, that it is in Google's best interest to always be to if there's a, if there's a website accessible by a human on the internet to make mm-hmm. sure that the Google web crawler can access and index that without restriction. Uh, this I, I'm sure they didn't come up with the standard uh, in '94 simply out of the interest of their heart. I'm sure it became it was because people were rightly saying, "Is it okay for you to have a piece of software that invades my that uh, uses and uh, uses an open accessibly accessible protocol?" Yes, but we intended for humans to be looking at this stuff, not for automated robots that could then flood the entire internet and say, "Oh, okay, here here you go," and now making it into an open standard for any person who wants to control uh, what can be what a robot can do uh, to access your site can do it now granted this is going to be limited to uh, bots that respect the robots.txt but mm-hmm. uh, there's a the, the larger issue is going to be that there's always go- you're always going to be ha- have a problem with uh, entities that don't desire to follow any rules and anything you do to try to stop them by definition they're going to try to circumvent those things and so this is at least a way for people who are uh, on the up and up so to speak who are writing this sort of software to be a good neighbor to the rest of the internet and you can't really argue against the fact that whatever the negatives of uh, these technologies are the ability to simply do a use a search term and for a uh, a web a web search to be able to show you pages that contain that search term or contain topics related to that search term that has actually benefited humanity to a significant degree and so it was a very very good thing i think think so uh, i'm i'm glad that uh, google is at least interested in the at least the perception of being a good neighbor to the internet and hopefully the house and the senate will take this into consideration as they deliberate on how best to destroy google and break it up into its component molecules the way that i see this or the way that i approach this is and this is because i know google i've been covering the company for a long time now and i I know the person who works at Google. I don't actually know the person, but what I mean to say is I know the kind of people that work at Google and I know the kind of person that would push this in a meeting and say, hey, we should do this because they're, Google hires a lot of people. I mean, this is the material podcast. We're only talking about Google here, but I know that they hire people who are genuinely just fans of the internet, have yeah. grown up on the internet like me and Andy and want to see, feel feel like it for it to belong to everybody it needs to be on that level playing field and so this is just like a small little way that that could help uh in the grand scheme of things and i you know again yeah. when we talk about the things that make us love being a google fan it's like these things especially cuz you know me and andy are super nerds so we're like wow yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> Yeah, it's it's in the broader in the broader sense, and I'm not embarrassed to uh, to put it this way. I feel as though like one of the many differences between 
Google's character and Facebook's character is that I think that Facebook's business plan is we want to turn the internet into Facebook and make sure that people never leave Facebook. And every anytime there's something use, we will acknowledge the presence of the larger internet only to the extent that it can help us get more information about users and exploit them even further. But really, we'd be thrilled if they would never, ever, ever leave a Facebook domain for any re reason whatsoever. Whereas Google's business plan is that the internet and all the data on it is an incredibly useful thing. And people are, the more people use it, the more they're going to be benefited by the internet. We are going to make our money by helping people to use this and have a good time there and make it into a useful thing. Right. As opposed to, it's no skin off our nose if you leave the Google search. We're, we, we have no interest in making sure you stay on the Google search page and we'll make sure we pull in as much information as possible from that other site so that we get your, the ad revenue and we get the tracking and we get all that stuff. It's like no skin off our nose. If we only give you enough information that to encourage you to click on this link and to leave the search page, uh, it's not, and of course it's not quite as Pollyannish as, as this realize that because you're in a Chrome browser, <laughs> you're, you're still somewhere inside Googledom, but I do oh, think, but, oh, but, yeah. but even the Chrome browser is let's give you a really, really good experience on the internet by having a totally standards compliant browser. I mean, remember, remember what it was like before Chrome, where it was every, it seems like no matter how well-intentioned every web, uh, web uh, browser developer was, they had their own ideas on how memory should be managed and how, well, we don't, we're not interested in supporting this uh, graphic standard because we believe that it's more important that this standard excel and we'll give you the reasons why. Whereas Chrome is like, we just want to make sure that whatever, however a web page looks on that web developer's <laughs> office office PC, it should look the same way within your screen, no matter what computer you're using. So we will support anything. We will, <laughs> we will make sure that we are the most standards compliant browser ever. We want, we want to make sure that's really, really fast. And also, wouldn't it be cool if it reminded you of things in Gmail that you were looking at elsewhere? Well, I was just, I was just reminded of how I used to have a compatible with uh, <laughs> browser buttons on my website. Good. In high school, like, here's my poetry, but if you're on this browser, you yeah. can't read it. Oh, no. oh I, boy. I, I remember hand coding <laughs> HTML and... Uh, and again, I'm just one idiot. I'm not so with doing uh, doing a, a website just because he wants to do it. My business was not was not required for a web browser to actually be functional. And even so, it seemed as though a third of my time was, oh, you want something to be underlined. Okay, mm -hmm. now you could use the UL tag. However, uh, if you're in a Mozilla browser, here's some JavaScript so that it will automatically detect a Java, that browser and switch you to this format instead. Like, oh, tables? Okay, um, my best <sighs> advice is to set fire to your office uh, get one of those like educational skeletons from a medical or medical warehouse, fake your own death and never return to web development ever again, because that's wow. in, the, in the long run, you'll thank me because it's going to be easier than to make sure that a tables based or CSS based website actually looks consistent from one browser to the other. Did we just tell people to fake their own death? On this podcast, we're not telling people to do that. We're just saying that there sometimes is a certain amount of honor in faking one's own death. Okay, 
All right. Well, apparently you can do that with a with bones from the medical supply company. Now remember, you want to make sure it's the correct gender at the very least. Uh, uh, roughly the same height, although if the fire consumes uh, most of the bones, I won't be able to figure that out. Uh, uh, teeth also not as big a deal as you might think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, Especially again, with veneers being so popular in this day and age. Mm, true, 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 true. It's one of those things that pays uh, off. It does. Think, think uh, of it as an investment in your future as a very, very happy uh, fisherman or uh, basket weaver on some Caribbean island. Oh, sorry. I had visions of coconuts in my head for a second there. Um, I feel, yeah, I feel like that is, that is the sign that people want to go back to their day old hot dogs from 4th of July. Like I know I eat leftovers. I'm a fan of leftovers and the things that you can make the day after. There you go. Um, so anybody out there who has any interesting like day after 4th of July leftover recipes, please share it with us um, <laughs> on Twitter at Material Podcast, or you can just at me and Andy. I'm at Oh That Flow. Andy is at Anatko, if you can spell his last name. I-H-N is a Nancy. A-T is in Tom. K-O. I was trying to do your joke, Andy. Sorry. <laughs> I feel like it doesn't sound like it sounds like an insult when I say no, no, no. So. See, it, see, you, 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 you almost, you, you almost, you kind of stepped on a rake there because then you kind of are forced to spell it yourself. And I trust me, I was eleven years old before I was getting it right most of the time. Yeah, I just, I struck out with a three-letter last name, so that's why I, yes. I kept it around. Um, I again this week, I'm out, so I'll be back next week with stuff to talk about. I, I really have nothing. All I can think about right now is my best friend. TBH. Andy, what have you got going on? I'm going to be on uh, WGBH Boston Public Radio on Wednesday, I think 1230 to 1 p.m. Either way, you'll be able to listen to that live on WGBHnews.org or later because they usually capture the stream and make it available for replay. Uh, As uh, Flo so nicely plugged for me, if you go to my Twitter feed at Anatko, I usually announce what the exact time is going to be. Uh, I'm on I'm on roughly once a week for a half hour at a time, but it tends to bounce around a little bit. Uh, it's during like the 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. current affairs show that they do every single day. So hit my Twitter and I'll be sure to tell you exactly where and when. Well, I think that's it. I think that's it. That should do it. That should do it. Uh, we're All looking right. good. Now, what, now, if you're going to be tubing SPF. Make, uh, oh, like at I, least, I at have least a long sleeve. I have a long sleeve okay. bathing suit. Yeah, I'm all about the sun protection. And stay, oh, yeah. Stay hi- stay before hydrated. we go, before we go, everyone stay hydrated and wear sun protection. Darn it. Yep. <laughs> Please wear a big hat. Exactly. You're gonna. You're, okay. you're especially if you're, especially if you're tubing. A lot of people forget that they think the that ozone be- layer is depleting. Beer is not people. hydration. <laughs> rose canned rose is not hydration. You need to make sure you sort of switch them up between. Uh, even or if you're Generation Z, try one of those La Croix uh, flavored seltzers in the skinny cans. I've never tried one myself. I'm a I'm a Schweppes They're really person. good. The La Croix. They're really good if you mix them with a little bit of alcohol. Anyway, <laughs> which defeats the purpose. No, oh. it doesn't, because then you get a really nice, delicious, tasty drink. Okay, there's your tip for this podcast episode: mix a Lacroix <laughs> with your favorite alcohol and enjoy. And that's what you can do this year for Fourth of July. Uh, okay. On that note, I guess we'll see everybody next week. <laughs>